the, so the right person is important, but I think creating the right environment too, and the the right person for someone else might be the wrong person for you and vice versa. So A, you gotta have a great environment and you have to make people want to work there because the best people know they're the best people, that's for sure. And they wanna work for the best companies. And so, so finding them is hard for sure, but making your, your company a destination they want to work at is really key. Hello, hello, hello. And I am super excited today because we are talking to the Jason Flick. Um, Jason, before we get into the good details, let me please set up an introduction. Jason Flick is the former former CEO and co-founder of UITV, a company that has built an interface engine. I love interface engine um, to power the world's most beautiful multi-screen video applications and is now acquired by Warner Media, thus former. Jason is also a successful serial entrepreneur and brings 25 years of technical and business leadership to the role. UITV has continued to double in size each year and now calls the biggest media and technology companies in the world as their, as their customers. Jason also sits on a number of nonprofit entrepreneur-focused entities and private sector company boards. He also founded Flick Software in 2002, a leader in mobile development services. And prior to this, he was co-founder and CTO at Enable Technologies, which exited to the SolarWinds. Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here, Chris. Looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So, I, I mean, just before, we were trying to reflect on where we had met, and I know it was at a, at a, at a conference. We think it's Barcelona uh, for, for Mobile World Congress. And I just wanted to touch on that you stuck out right away. I mean, there was it was there's probably about what Team Canada was maybe 40 people, 40 companies, 30 companies, 40 people. And you stuck out because I never saw you leave that booth that, you know, was supporting UITV. You were there excited to tell your story. Um, whereas most people were floating around a little bit more. Um, so do, does, do you have that drive? I mean, is that, is that, that drive that need to tell the business story? Is that, is that something that you would share as, as, as a, as a, um, you know, a great trait um, or idea that you should always be doing or, or, you know, how, how do you, how do you benefit from, um, um, yeah, from I, that? I think, I mean, it can't always be the case. I don't want to say mm -hmm. it has to be, but you should be your own best pitch master. You, you mm -hmm. should love doing it. You should love talking to people about your business. Um, so yeah, when we did in the early days, when we were doing the show, when it was predominantly sales was what mattered, right? We had a vision, we had enough of it, of a product, we just needed to sell it. Um, I put a lot of energy into that. I mean, when you're, you know, we got up to almost 300 people, you're not, I'm not in it anymore doing that. But yeah, early days, you're, are, you are your best salesperson. Scaling a sales team later, you know, when you start getting to that, that's a really tricky stage. So I, I loved those days. Mm -hmm. um, I think also, you know, a tiny little company, I don't know how big we were then, but that was probably a huge spend, even though it was government supported. I mean, those hotels, mm -hmm. holy crap. I think we actually all stayed up in an Airbnb, which was kind of cool, six of us or something in one place. But mm -hmm. yeah, we we were there. We you you gotta put in one hundred and ten percent, right? These doing the impossible, which is what building a business almost is, doesn't happen without a lot of um, you know being in it. I I agree, and and the 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 the, the food from Barcelona is not so bad either. I just I just wanted to really, add that part too. Good pasta place. Like it is really good. It's really good. So tell me, you you UITV. Tell me the origin story, please. Yeah. So um. So I I. The tech meltdown that, you know, if, if your audience is in the tech world, they know, you know, 2001 melted down. So I created my own business. Half the people in Ottawa and the tech scene there were unemployed. 
and it was a mobile services company, Flick Software, but it was really built to, 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 to launch into something, a product company. It took us uh, probably five years to kind of find the right person and the right idea. And that was the iPhone. And so, so Flick was doing mobile software apps when it was still PDAs and these industrial devices, right? There was probably a dozen mobile projects going on a year across all of North America. And then there's BlackBerry, Nokia, and we started dabbling a bit in that. And then the iPhone came out and immediately I could see, we all could see, right? And I always oh, tell yeah. a story. I, I had all, because we had a mobile software company, I had all the latest Nokia devices, I had all the latest Blackberries, 90% of the market across both of them. I'd give the latest one to my wife, not at all interested. Give the latest one to my two-year-old daughter, not at all interested in them. <laughs> I gave both of my phones and they loved it. My two-year-old loved it. My wife loved it. I loved it. I'm like, okay, hey, this is, they're, they're toast, right? Which of course is what <laughs> happened. And so we built technology to make that iPhone-like experience, which they sent us a threatened lawsuit. And so we backed down from saying mm. that. But it, the point was to bring iPhone-like experiences to everybody, to every device. And then how we articulate it later in the business to every screen. And that was really mm -hmm. the inspiration. And then where do you take that? So you have this idea that you want to bring iPhone-like experiences on all these different devices. And then we, you know, TV, we said, okay, so we did a few, we did Kobo, uh, the first Kobo color device. We did some beautiful mm -hmm. tapestry UI for that. We did a bunch of other hardware-based deals, but then really sunk our teeth into TV and uh, built really stunning, you know, built a product to build stunning experiences on all these different devices for TV and even went as far as to name the company UI TV for that focus. But that really was just a sub-focus. The vision, we never got there. We got bought before we got there, but uh, we, we did do very well in that sub-vertical. Oh, very cool. Well, can you tell me what UITV does? Like just the very basic then? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways I can articulate it. One is, you know, if you ever played a video game, whether it's Words with Friends or Candy Crush or Call of Duty, they're awesome. You love playing them and they're identical on every platform. So what we did is we built a video game engine, but just for apps. And so all that same thinking going right to the metal, that performance, the designer workflows, we built all that into it. But ultimately, it's an app framework, an SDK, if, if you know it, software development kit. So developers download it, they build their app in it. And then instead of looking like an iOS app that's good and um, an Android app that's different, and then Samsung, LG, Xbox, Roku, PS4, um, having to recode them all in all different programming languages, you build one really stunning experience and it, and that app works on all those platforms. So that's really what we've built, and we mm. first license it out in a SaaS model. Oh, it makes it makes a lot of sense. So when 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 you say that um, the the software that you know you're basically creating the engine for it, was that? I mean, in my thought when I, when I was looking at the project it was mostly for video. Okay, um, you know, for for centralizing the video. But you said you can do games and other applications within that within that yeah, platform I mean, too. We, we weren't competing with Unity or Unreal. Mm -hmm. Those would be the the examples in the gaming industry. But we were trying to be them in apps. But yeah, we. I mean, Twitch used our stuff, and yeah, oh. I guess it's a video app, but it really was a social media app. Um, NBA, NFL used our stuff, and again, tons of stats. But yes, it plays video. Um, and then if we, if we hadn't sold, we were going to go into banking next, right? Banking needs better mm -hmm. apps that run everywhere you want your car. Now cars now are, are having apps, right? So every app is going to have to get on every piece of screen. And, uh, the intent was eventually to go after all the largest companies in the world that want to build apps on all this, all these screens that are everywhere. Right. And I, in my home, we're probably in a, uh, crazy, but I probably have two, three, four screens in every room in this house, right? When you start adding up all the nests and the Alexas and the computers and the laptops and the, so, um, so the screens are a huge problem and that's what we wanted to, that's the problem we were trying to solve, but really TV is the biggest one, right? 
the fragmentation is massive. Think about the number of platforms you watch TV on. My car, I can watch Netflix and YouTube on my my TV downstairs, my gaming console, my PC. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, I mean, so, so you probably streaming services, uh, streaming seasons, Monja, streaming services have definitely taken off. I mean, would you would you have you know created some of the environments for that as well too? Then, so you, you're centralizing, democratizing the, the the video and focusing on the experience instead. Um, were, were there any of those companies you're working with as well for the streaming services? Yeah, so we, I mean, HBO obviously that's why they acquired us. They were using mm-hmm. our stuff, but all the Comcast Sky was an investor in our business, but also made heavy use of it. Um, uh, TNT, TBS, True TV, Cartoon Network. I mean, uh, dozens of these major brands were using our tech and um, and we we were trying to make it as simple as possible for them to get these video apps to market. But again, focused more on the, the high end of that mm-hmm. and just doing the client side piece, right? There was a bunch of companies trying to do the whole end to end, be the CMS and all these pieces. And that really quickly became a low end game. We really wanted to play in the high end. So we were just experts on that client piece. But yeah, if you were serious about getting into the streaming wars, you, you pretty much had to use our tech. We didn't really have a meaningful competitor other than hiring hundreds of engineers, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, some of the, I won't say which operator, but some of the operators we worked with had teams of over a thousand engineers coding these apps and it's like mm. wow you know and then in the end they the apps for that massive team they all look different they weren't that great mm-hmm. so yeah that was really the focus was to make the streaming happen and of course really streaming is just the baby step to get there once you're there they want to collect data they want to send ads to you they want to do in-app purchases so really you know um almost like you know shopify you, know, you look at how they diversify we were going to be the shopify of glass you know just where you can <laughs> do all this thing on all these things on the glass as you get there and mm-hmm. video was going to get us there right once and you'll see tons of innovation in streaming as it goes through right the types mm-hmm. of ads being able to buy something in real time that you saw on tv you're going to see all this stuff start coming out because they're going to have to because we used to pay 200 bucks for cable and now we're spending, you know, 50, 60 bucks for all these streaming mm-hmm. services. They're going to have to make it up somewhere else with some innovative um, things. Well, that, that's, that's really cool. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the centralization of that or the, or the, or the, you know, making it all a similar experience. I think that's when it makes it actually easier because then you can start going, okay, well, we're not, you know, an ad that is this size and this format's not going to work with that. But if we centralize it and have it, well, then, you know, the marketing teams, all of these teams can go, okay, we know what we need to do. And now we can blast it to multiple. And, uh, you know, that's your, your, your DNA is in that. And if you don't, then you're coding it to another. So go, we have this new ad thing, but you got to recode it, code it on all the different platforms. And that consistent experience is critical. Like I, I mean, in Canada, I think Brave's probably one of the worst, right? I mean, it's just, uh, it's so inconsistent across all the platforms. And you can tell they're just hacking it together. And it's, mm. but yeah, they have the content you want, so you still get it. But to me, um, really nailing that experience to be whatever your brand is on all the platforms. And that's, mm. if you care about brand, that's really who we were focusing on. And unfortunately now it's uh, not as accessible as it was. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, the, 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 the consumers, they, they just want a great experience, you know, and, uh, and again, they, and they want an experience that they don't have to keep explaining to grandma or the kids, you know, like how, how to do it. So again, I just, I mean, I keep harping back and I guess that's where, you know, we'll, we'll go with, with UX TV, but you know, with UI TV, what you're trying to do is create that experience that, that, that makes it comfortable. Well, I mean, what was, well, first off, I mean, you're talking about some huge American brands um, that you're dealing with or huge American uh, companies. Did you like, how did you even start opening the door with, with, with these companies? 
Yeah, we were lucky. We, we were able to close a bunch of Canadian deals first, which is which is rare. Usually you have to go to the US and we did for our first first deals. But we we were able to dominate in Canada with Rogers deals, uh, Chorus, um, and, and do quite well there and then mm-hmm. use that to go into the US. But it was really baby steps. And, mm-hmm. and it was a, um, we had to go in with a bit of a services pitch. So here's the product and it's amazing. And it's totally different than you thought. And you didn't think this was possible, but we're <laughs> going to wrap services around it. Don't worry, we'll help you with it. Um, which was really helpful to scale the business initially. Of course, as you start raising rounds of capital, that actually becomes a detriment. They're like, well, we don't want to see any services. So that was an interesting whole transition to go from the white glove, making our clients successful to, you know, here's the product and you just license it, do it yourself, which we did achieve that. Um, you know, but that what they called service attach rate was a big thing we had to work on later in the business. Um, but had we not done that, we couldn't rate. No one believed we could do what we're doing. Because think about it. We were promising better than iOS experiences, not using any code from iOS. And then that exact same experience would be on, on Android. And then, yeah, even Roku. What? How is that possible? How can you have an iPhone-like experience on Roku? Yeah, we, we did it. We can. No one believed us. So we had to bootstrap it. Very cool. And that's, and thus the, you know, the, the exit or the sale, because that's very valuable. Well, when, when, so Warner media, um, they come kicking the tires. Uh, maybe that's a good way to explain. Can you explain the process of when that relationship started? Did you, did you talk to them about an acquisition or did they come talk to you? I mean, how, how did that, how did that start? Yeah. So, um, so we had done a bunch of business in Canada and we closed some deals in the U S and then Turner who eventually got bought by, um, um, amalgamated and got brought underneath the gosh, we were forgetting all the names now, but eventually became Warner Brothers with things we got by um, Warner Media got bought by AT&T. Um, they made an all in bet. They did a ton of research. They had I think like 30 brands and then they had to go global with them. I think they did the math and they had 500 to 600 apps in market. Wow. When you took all their brands, all the app stores, all the countries, it was out of control. So they actually made, did a ton of research, spent a year selling to them, and then they made an all-in bet. And when they did that, they actually did an investment in the business. So that started, mm-hmm. that was at year probably five or six. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then four or five years later, yeah, they continue, we continue to be very strategic to them. Um, and there was always the rumor that they might be interested in buying us. But then when we won the HBO business, um, mm-hmm. they said, okay, we, HBO has to generate billions and billions in revenue, right? That's, uh, mm-hmm. I forget what they've promised, how many billions. They couldn't have the core engine behind that, that moneymaker not be owned. And so they, that became more and more apparent. A little mm-hmm. bit awkward when they're a strategic investor and they're sitting on the board. <laughs> so there was lots of very interesting politics and game playing in the end um, uh, to get that to happen. But it was a strategic acquisition. Um, so we knew them very well. They knew us. Um, we were kind of married right almost every major project they had going we were with the engine behind and then they were like 40 percent of our revenue so um, it was a fairly natural uh thing and because we had so much of their business it it, we had others looking around for sure um (laughs) but it's really hard when they know at&t can spend any amount of money it deterred a lot of others from um from looking at us so (laughs) it's it was an envious position but also a very complex one to have that customer and investor and acquire all merged to one. But, but I think that, I mean, that makes so much sense because you, you know, they understand the problem, they value the company and the problem it's solving. And then they, you know, it's like, well, okay, you know what, this is something we need. We, we've been riding along. We recognize the executive team's good. The product's good. Um, we can take it to that next level. Um, now when you, because I mean, we're talking about media here and you're talking about CRTC uh, concerns. 
when the when the when the when the acquisition got announced, was there ever any anything in that, or is it because you're a platform, it's not a big thing, or was there was there any um, requirements by the government for that? Well, so they actually there there probably wouldn't have been because um, we didn't you know we weren't uh, we didn't have a, a lock in on any particular share. There was still enough out there, and no client exclusively used us. But in the end, they did go through the court system to mm -hmm. to make sure that they approved it, which was very awkward. Um, it, mm -hmm. it made it, um, you know, when they were doing the whole process, you don't want to get your staff involved because they get very distracted. And two mm -hmm. years prior, they had been quite open about about trying to buy us and then didn't um, do mm -hmm. some exec shuffles. So I kept mm -hmm. it very secretive just to keep everybody focused on their their what they're doing day to day. But then because they went to the courts, we actually had to announce it. And so there was a month really mm -hmm. awkward month where it was announced but not done still may not happen but every shareholder and every one of my staff had shares or options in the company so every mm -hmm. member so that was awkward there was a very awkward mm -hmm. month in there but that meant that they did get all the approvals and it was um you know an irre, irre um you know an irreversible sale whatever that <laughs> fantastic well you know i actually i want to touch back because you said they, they they sat on your board the, the warner media sat on your board when yeah. Like, how do you have the conversation with them going, hey, we have this deal, but we'd love to see if we can sweeten it. I mean, that's that's a bit of a, a diplomat, diplomatic pickle. Do you ask them to recuse themselves from that? Or um, like, how do you handle that? Yeah, it makes board meetings very interesting. And we did ask <laughs> yeah. them to recuse themselves sometimes. They actually recused themselves in the end, which then, of course, was like, you didn't need to. Nothing's going on. Well, they recused themselves because they knew what they're about to do. So that mm. that set that ball in motion. But, you know, interestingly, so AT&T and Comcast, who, you know, used to be at, at war with each other for decades, they now have mm -hmm. other things like Netflix and Amazon and, and that they're at war with, but both were on our board. I had a, had a Comcast because wow. Comcast invested through Sky and I had AT&T because they invested through Warner Media. So it's interesting even just having both those at the table. Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps even more interestingly, our first round of capital was private equity because we were a profitable business. And then our mm -hmm. last round was VC and the round in the middle was strategic. So we had wow. the full potpourri of opinions and perspectives and aspirations um, on the board. So it was it was an interesting, interesting role. And <laughs> I tried to leverage it and capitalize on all the different perspectives, but in reality, you you did have everybody wanted something different out of this, and to keep them all happy was yeah, is a challenge. That's well, that's a sign of a good CEO, I'm gonna say. You know, because you got to be diplomatic, you got to juggle, and you have to make sure. Um, you know, everyone's taken care of. Um, well, what was it like walking away? Like after the acquisition, because you did, you did um, relieve yourself from the company. Um, what was it like to walk away from that? Yeah, I mean, it's still a journey I'm on, right? It's only six months ago or so now, but mm -hmm. it, it, it's weird to go, you know, to wake up every morning and know you have, you know, eight to 10 meetings with a 10, 12 hour day and mm -hmm. um, lots of excitement of, oh, we just got a call from so-and-so and this is going to happen. And then to just, you know, completely detach. I think I was, I, after the deal was there for like maybe two weeks to do the handoff, it was weird. I mean, not to get Slack and and uh, emails uh, all the time. So it was interesting. Yeah. And then if, my dream, of course, was to travel the world, sell the business, travel the world. Well, thanks to COVID, um, which is getting better, but it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. So mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I spent about four months just kind of, you know, digging deeper into who I am and what I want to do and what this means and um, looking at where and now kind of getting back into some businesses because it's just I love it. I love building stuff. I love I love that um, the excitement and the, mm -hmm. the value creation doing that. 
value creation. I love that. That's, that's see, you get the young entrepreneurs and they just say, Hey, I want to make a million dollars, but you know, you get the people who've been doing this for a while and it's, it's about the journey and the value that's created along the journey and, and the relationships created along the way too, because you know, that million dollars is great, but it's not going to last that long. You need to have a lot more than that along the journey. And, um, um, I, I just, I just love the way you say it. Well, I mean, you're talking about other words. So you recently joined the company was called sleep efficiency as an executive chairman. What, what's, yeah. what's that all about? Yeah. So I, I mean, I think hospital, the whole medical industry needs a reboot. Unfortunately, there is no Netflix of the medical industry, or I don't see one coming yet. I mean, maybe there's some stuff happening with Amazon and a few others that might be. So to me, I mean, it's a, it's around sleep, which I think is such an important part, you know, your performance and your health are so reliant on, on that. And right now, most people need to go through the hospital system and it can be months, if not a year, and then months to get the result. And who wants to sleep in a hospital, especially in COVID. So um, being able to do medical grade sleep tests in your home, note an, a touchless service. So um, hmm. really helping them to scale that up from a very regional service to now Canada wide and just instead of having to wait months, if not a year, you get the results we send to the device, you get the result in weeks um, from a doctor fully approved. And I think there's just so many pieces. So yeah, and the most people I know that went, they said, yeah, I waited six months, went in the hospital, terrible, I only slept for three hours. Um, and, and then yeah, and it turned out I didn't have any issues. Like, wow, like you, <laughs> you could have gone to our service and gotten that answer in four weeks. And you just would have had to sleep with some devices clipped onto you. So um, so I think that's one. I, I think there's others to be done, but I, it's certainly an area that I, I don't have a tremendous amount of experience in, but I, I think really needs help. And, yeah, you sleep um, a lot a day, I would think, but you know. Yeah, you should, well, or just sleep well, right? That's the yeah. critical thing. Yeah, so and are you? So anyway, so yeah, that's an issue. And it's a B2C play, which most of my mm -hmm. other ones are in B2B. So I'm really scaling a, a customer-facing one and, and bringing all the stuff that I know around culture and brand and experience um, there. So yeah, it's a good one. A couple more that'll be announced in the, in the, in the next uh, few months that'll be mm -hmm. in other verticals, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, I plan to get my hands really dirty on two or three businesses. Um, good, good, good. Well, I think the timing about the, 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 the medical device is really interesting. My, my brother actually sits on the board of directors of the uh, Richmond hospital or Rich, Richmond's a, you know, because you're in Ottawa, Richmond's a, a, where the airport is and it's a large city next to Vancouver. And they're constantly talking about the need to remove people from the hospital and to try to take, put, a bit, put them at home. And how do we create that network for that? And, you know, and I think if you can be one of those end tools where they, you know, it reports back to the mothership. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be part of that vision that I think all medical practitioners really want to go to in terms of efficiency and, and being more service related instead of weight related. Because um, no one likes to sit in the, uh, in, you know, children's hospital for five hours for, for nothing. Like, yeah, if it can be done, why not? And it just, unfortunately, I think most things, even when it's obvious, can take 10 years to get done. And if it's not obvious, can take 20. And so I think mm -hmm. more entrepreneurs and and even the, the the founder of the business I'm working with, I mean, he runs one of the large um, uh, sections of the hospital. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs there. They just need funding and support to kind of scale their businesses. Um, the hospitals do what they do. They do it well, but it's not mm -hmm. the answer for, to your point. It's not the answer for everything, especially sleep studies. It's crazy to mm -hmm. wait a year to go in there when nine out of 10 didn't really need that level of test, right? That's crazy, mm -hmm. but that's all they can do, right? So I think mm -hmm. entrepreneurs need to step in and, and help the, the, the medical industry. And do For sure. And, 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 and the, 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 the other people who are part of it need to step back and say, you know what, if we're not creating value, like uh, we're trying to slow people down because our systems have been there for 30 years, maybe you should cr start creating more value, better systems and uh, thinking about the future instead of the, uh, the way, you know, you're, you're, the gold is lining your pocket right now. 
And the good news is I think they gen genuinely are. And none of the hospitals are like, oh my, can we please have more patients, right? They already mm -hmm. know the problems there, but then they're looking, how do we do it? Like who's out there? And if you look at all the companies, they're kind of like the massive uh, operators like AT&T and Comcast, right? It's mm -hmm. these huge mm -hmm. medical companies that move at a snail's pace. And if they don't, if it's not a billion dollar opportunity, they're not going to go after it. Well, yeah. there's lots of hundred million and $10 million opportunities. Um, but they're not going to be gotten after by those. So that's where we need to step up with entrepreneurs and hopefully some of your listeners maybe start um, digging in there and helping too. Sure, sure. No, I, I agree. Well, I mean, Invest Ottawa, um, you were working as a board member there. Um, why did you feel it was valuable to sit on the board of Invest Ottawa and, and, and what did you do with that? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm like 20 years or something in, in startups and, and it, running my own startups and interested mm -hmm. in it prior to that. And I really, and I look at Silicon Valley and just the whole fluid system they had there. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel we were firing all cylinders. The universities weren't working well enough with the entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs weren't well, working well enough with the big businesses, the R&D arms. And then the government had a bunch of these organizations trying to do these things. And they were quickly becoming like peanut butter, spreading peanut butter uh, so thinly on every piece of bread. And so part of mine to come in there was to really get them all to collaborate and um, work closer together, not just across the, uh, uh, those entities, the large business universities and startups, but even amongst themselves. And I think um, I've been off the, I'm still on a couple of the sub boards. I think probably a 10 year, 12 year window now from sub boards than on the main board than the executive board and sub board. But they're working so much better together. The government money is doing so much better. I don't know that there's links out to Vancouver yet, but certainly there was almost battles between Toronto, Waterloo, and Ottawa. Who gets what? If you get a million, I get a million less. That's all gone now. Mm -hmm. um, new leadership's in place. So I'm excited about that. And it lets me see what's going on in the industry. And that also puts me on a lot of panels for a lot of the government organizational stuff. Because um, I just think they, the government has to play a big role in fixing some of the stuff problems we have. We had a seed stage problem. They've done a lot for that. All these incubators, accelerators, the new problem, which we lived, which is that the, that D round, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y y there's not enough people, skills, uh, scale, audacity to, to do it. We, we actually sold, but we were in the middle of hunting our D round and we had to choose um, exit over D round. Mm -hmm. had I, if I'd much rather have had a huge D round and then IPO'd mm -hmm. and been the next Shopify, Mm -hmm, but it just mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't available for us. And I mean, Shopify did it, but it's a pretty mm -hmm. short list of people that get past that D round. So the government's got to figure that out. So help I know a bit with that now that I'm off the <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you know what? I talked on the BC side. I talked to them, and 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 it's exactly what you said. You know that 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 initial round. You know they're they're not focused on it as much as they used to be. I mean, that really, be, but it's the scale up that they're looking at right now. Right. That that's where they see there there's uh, a need. And I would say, I mean, Ontario is such an interesting beast now because I mean it's got so many great companies, and you know you have, you know, from 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 Waterloo to Toronto, and then. Of course, you have Ottawa, Canada, because you have got the big, the big daddy of them all in in Shopify. Um, so the, you're saying that um, traditionally there wasn't, you weren't fighting with each other. You're, you're, you're working with together. You're actually trying to fight with each other. Or I think, yeah, across the whole board, in the startups and in the nonprofit organizations, they were all saw themselves as competing, uh -huh. which is so stupid. Like, mm -hmm. and and even the startups, like in totally different industry, they would see themselves competing. And I don't know what, why that was, but that's really gone now. There's a Good. number of conversations and panels and peer mentoring. And again, just seeing the government step up. And I know these are nonprofits, so government funded. But seeing mm -hmm. them step up, seeing the government step up and let them do that, because that requires transparency. The government can't go, surprise, bid on this. You, you three have a chance. They actually have to go, here's our idea. What do you think? 
Mm -hmm. they've had to change their model and they come out to these different groups and see, and see what's out there. And I'd love to see that connection across all of Canada now. I don't, I don't know there's a lot happening across it, but that would be the next step because Canada is in such an incredible position with the, the culture that we have, our mm -hmm. brand, money problems are getting solved. Getting a business up to five or 10 million is very doable now. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to solve that next one so we can get the next tranche. But we're mm -hmm. going to figure that out. And, and um, I just think it requires all of us working well together. So I think I there's been that. lots of progress. More can be done. Universities still, I want to see some. I'm sitting on some stuff for the university too. They've got mm -hmm. to get in there, but that's tricky. It's The professors are interested. The entrepreneurs are interested. But you've got you know 10,000 professors, 100,000 startups. How do you match them? But that's yeah. another problem that's got to get solved because there's so much brilliant research being done in the universities. And most of it's going off to IBM and Google and Microsoft. Um, and that's mm -hmm. not good in Canada. So hopefully some of your listeners can help with that too. I, I, I hear you. And you know what? It's, 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 it's kind of funny how you're saying that because I'm feeling the same in the, in the, well, not that part, but in the, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, BC, we'll call it Vancouver, but BC is an island. And then you've got Ontario and, you know, the, 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 the micro islands of big value in there, the, the, the three bases. Yeah. But I think that we really do need to talk more and, 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 you know, leverage each other more so that we don't feel like we're, we're not on the same, you know, we're, we are all on the same side because um, at the end of the day, I mean, I'll, I'll add one more big thing that we've got which is immigration um and you know cheaper to do business compared to the states and you know if we can start figuring out how to work together and and i think you know with with the shopify out there and the goodwill that they create for example um and you know all, uh, the other large ones i mean we're getting some some big fast moving startups here in bc right now like just shockingly fast moving rounds um uh, of investment you know i how do we how do we tie that together and, um, you know, create a, a bigger unit for, you know, the smaller, the smaller area, like, and, uh, so you can do business in New Brunswick, and you can do, you know, startups in there, because we can be decentralized. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you, where you are, it doesn't matter, the connections still matter. But if you reach <laughs> out, I mean, I have when I reach out to fellow CEOs in Canada, almost always get an answer. So we're all willing to, I just sometimes, sometimes think we don't. And we should also be using our own stuff, right? The government, um, mm -hmm. private sector, and even our own startups need to be using our own tech um, to, to prop ourselves up. Drink the Kool-Aid, baby. Drink mm, the Kool-Aid. Exactly. I did that. Well, you know what we're talking about? Canadian entrepreneurs. I, I, I want to ask who, if there's one Canadian entrepreneurial star that you that you like listening to, or you think, you know, wow, this person's amazing. Um, who 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 would that be? Yeah, uh, I mean, and I've reached out to him many times, and he saved my bacon at a couple of uh, key points. So I, I have firsthand experience. But I would say Toby. I mean, he's uh, he is a he's a geek like myself, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like geek technology geek. I mm -hmm. was, you know, even President Chess Club geek. But he's also <laughs> a super geek, and look what he did to scale that. And and the thing I'm, you know, obviously he has to be a, a an incredible human being to pull that all off. Mm -hmm. But then to pull it off at that scale um, is incredible. And just his audacity. I think even me, like everyone says, oh, Jason, you're so visionary and crazy. You think so big. Um, uh, whatever I thought of, he's just so far ahead of, of that. And uh, so mm -hmm. I would go and charge my battery sometime, talk to him, get his advice. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I think he's been great. And he's created lots of entrepreneurs. And there's lots of other mm -hmm. startups, big companies like, you know, BlackBerry was anti that right like if you mm -hmm. left blackberry um you were shunned 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that he actually has gone out of his way to encourage people to do startups to say, okay, now that you got your money, go build more startups. Like yep. he's done incredible stuff for the community. And he was on the board at Invest Ottawa too, which was huge. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, he's been giving back a bit, but yeah, he's done some great stuff and he's got, they, they, you can actually get a degree now working at Shopify through one of the universities. So he's even leading That's the way awesome. on some of those relationships. Just how do we scale that? Right. Yeah. You know what? I can say he was born in Germany and he's the most Canadian guy I've ever heard. Yeah. Like he just, yeah. you know, it's all about, it's all about the greater good. And, uh, I, I'm really glad that you chose, he's, he's fantastic. So, uh, that, that's His great. Well, full of snowboards too. He's a, he's a, that's just Canadian. it. Yeah, right. I mean, it was just a snowboard store at the end of the day. <laughs> that's still, it's really, funny that his really office big is still one. late. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, you know what? In in a um in an interview that you did, um, you 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 gave some interesting advice. Okay, which is um you get the right people on the bus. Okay, or get the right people on the bus is probably a better way of saying it. Um, how do you find these people? Yeah. So I mean, part of it. So the right person is important, but I think creating the right environment too. And the the right person for someone else might be the wrong person for you and vice versa. So A, you got to have a great environment and you have to make people want to work there because the best people know they're the best people, that's for sure. And they Mm want to work for the best companies. And so so finding them is hard for sure, but making your your company a destination they want to work at is really key. And so I think we did a really good job and my wife played a big role in it too, just helping to create this incredible environment people love to work in. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun to be there. So that was a big part. Um, and then you're constantly on the hunt, right? When you're meeting people, you're constantly looking, you know, is this the next hire? I mean, we, we doubled in size, I think four years in a row, we hired a hundred people in one year. Like wow. it had to be kind of baked into our DNA that we're growing all the time. Um, but I'll tell you what I learned is the wrong person in the seat with the wrong incentives and the wrong culture fit for them or disaster. It really mm-hmm. comes down to people, um, especially in tech, which most Canadian companies are, you know, software tech based, it's people. And mm-hmm. um, I think making yourself a destination they want to work in. And the other one, which I think a, I find, unfortunately, a lot of companies miss out on is just having this why. Why yeah. are you doing this? I want to make money. No, like that's no one in tech is making a, enough money. It, it worry about money, right? Even mm-hmm. co-ops make more money than the average uh, make twice actually a co-op makes more than twice what the average person makes in Canada, right? So mm-hmm. no, so money's not what's driving people in tech. They have a big why, and so have something audacious in there about why what you're trying to do. And I think that's really helps to get talent interested, right? Especially completely, 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 and international talent too. You know, why why do they want to come here? Well, you make the story of, hey, we're doing great things. You know, um, and you know to, to touch on what you, what you, what you said too. I mean, I always say for for um, the um, you know, the Lord of the Rings, they didn't start that journey to make money. They, they, they founded the company for the journey and the adventure, you know, yeah. and uh, at the end, they, they made some money, but uh, no one ever talks about that money they made in those treasures they brought back, you know, it, it is the journey, the adventure, and how you get people aligned is, uh, you know, is the magic, um, you know, that companies need to do. Um, well, Okay, so again, the theme here is we want to learn from great Canadian entrepreneurs or great entrepreneurs about their journey. Um, and we've heard some great stuff today, Jason, and I thank you for that. But the whole idea is here to kind of get that those those younger entrepreneurs, you know, how do we get them um, going faster uh, with less mistakes? Because we all made mistakes, believe me you. Um, what would you recommend? What's one piece of advice that you would give um, to, the, to that new entrepreneur that can help them along their way? 
Yeah, I think this the single biggest thing for me, I mean, there's you're constantly learning. So to pick one would be difficult. And mm -hmm. you mentioned the the TED talk I did. That's probably the single biggest lesson I had that probably put me on the track to, to success. But I would say peer mentoring, you know, what if if you're a CEO or a head of HR or head of sales, or go and get into peer mentoring groups because life is so i'll put it a different way when we hire somebody one of the top criteria is are you curious and so you should be a curious person that's critical to success but then how do you satisfy that curiosity you've got to be in a group of people that are constantly pushing the boundaries and so so get some peer mentoring have monthly either dinners or or a once a month days where you just dig into your expertise in your business and again this goes back to the collaborating part right Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me. I'm 15 years part of a peer mentoring CEO group. Mm -hmm. um, I made sure all my direct reports were in some level of peer mentoring or had some mm -hmm. sort of mentor. That's critical. So go out and get it. Ask for help. People are willing to give it. Um, for sure. So that would be the single biggest thing. I think I, you know what, I, I think that's a really, really, really uh, good idea. And, and again, you know, just reach out if they, if they, if people ignore you, they ignore you. But if you have a really interesting story or ask, people will you know, listen, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, trust and, me, and set, mm -hmm. you want to skip some of the scars, right? Like you, you, you can only have so many scars and you, you can save a lot of scars by asking questions and being curious. Completely, completely. Well, hey, Jason, thanks so much for, uh, for, for joining us today and, uh, sharing, you know, sharing all uh, the, the exciting, uh, the exciting stuff that you've gone through. And, uh, and again, congratulations on the acquisition. I hope that the, the, the world opens up soon so you can start enjoying uh, time with family uh, wherever it, you want to be. Oh my goodness. I'd love you deserve to it. I was, I was so hoping to go skiing, but uh, it didn't, couldn't happen. So. Well, it, it's come soon, come out to Vancouver and, and I'll take you out for lunch too. Okay. Cause I, I'd really love to catch up some more. Deal. You all heard it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Jason. My pleasure. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.